Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good measures. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, if you don't get the breaks of the ball, Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast, the podcast that's different to a lot of other podcasts out there, the podcast that pays to get in to watch the Dons, the podcast that isn't hassling you for spare change for its hashtag content, the podcast that isn't just here for its future career prospects and wouldn't felt Keith Jackson just to get a job as T-boy in the Daily Record sports desk. Do not Google felching. Those of you of our vintage will hopefully get the Mary Whitest experience reference, but the rest of you do not Google felching. Not that there's anything wrong with that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, joining me as always tonight, a man who's become big in Morocco, inexplicably, over the weekend, it's uh, Martin Clunas. <laughs> Hello, Richard. Hello, Martin. How are you doing? Um, I'm very good, thank you. Excellent. Also, this is someone who was a regular guest a couple of years ago, then we couldn't really have on, but now we can again. It's Matt Finlay. How are you, Matt? Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, back after I think three years out of the out of the podcasting. So now, good to be back. Quite the sabbatical. Quite the sabbatical. And uh, Finar Finar bringing up the rear. It's uh, Mark Elric, uh, the man in the middle of an exemplary exemplary run of Don's programmes right now. How are you, Mark? Hold on, I'm googling. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Right, uh, so firstly to the game on Saturday against Dumbarton and uh, to the performance of the first signing of the January window. Once again, Derek McInnes, uh, like the Canadian 90s, has got his man eventually as Dylan McGeoch signed on for two and a half year stint at Pataudry. How do you think he went on Saturday, Mark? Uh, I thought he played well. I thought he played very well. Um, he, he he wanted the ball. Uh, he got on the ball. He didn't. He looked a little bit rusty. Maybe he had a couple of stray passes, but he was always trying to get back. Is what I kind of noticed. And you guys are way more tactical minded. I think I say that every time I'm on this, but I did notice he seemed to be playing further forward as the game went on. Um, so I don't know if that's something that we're going to see more of But I, I, I was happy with him, yeah I quite liked sitting around and hearing other people trying to pronounce his surname though I th- That was a highlight of, of my game People to... Just bizarre But uh, yeah, I thought he played well I think he'll, he'll, he'll come good To be fair, as you've admitted to us, Mark You were sat in, in the corporate section So I would imagine that they might have struggled with the simplest of names, to be honest well, yeah, yeah. There was a point I, f- I forgot my own name, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think he's going to bring to the team uh, once he's uh, up fully up and running, uh, Matt? Um, well, I think he'll bring he'll bring a lot. Um, it's funny because um, before he signed, uh, I think a lot of people kind of were trying to wonder like where he's going to 
not fit in, but where, what kind of Dylan McGee are we going to get? Are we going to get the attacking one? I remember in that cup final, uh, cup semi final against those, um, there was that in the one two um, a couple of years back, that you, and he scored. He actually pulled up and, he, and he injured. So you're thinking, right, you're going to get that the attacking number ten, or you're going to get the more sitting back kind of and allowing your kind of other players to kind of express themselves. Like, um, I think he was kind of almost undervalued at Hibs a little bit um, with the likes of John McGinn kind of pushing on. Um, and a lot of people said that the reason that happened was because McGeech was was being able to kind of sit in control in midfield and that. So for me, I think we're, we've obviously been lacking that number 10 for a couple of years, really since Kenny McLean, that um, you're kind of looking looking for that. And um, if we can get, if that's the answer, if that's what Derek McInnes is going after, then bring it on to be honest Do you see him as a number 10 Martin or do you, or do you think you'll find that uh, Lewis Ferguson will be uh, pushed further forward I think Lewis Ferguson will probably end up there I mean I am quite looking forward to seeing what we can get from McGee because you know, there's no doubt and he is quite talented you know I mean it sounds stupid saying this from a footballer but he does know how to pick a pass um, you know I know that does sound like the most idiotic thing to say, but he does. He's you know he's a good footballer, and we've brought in somebody who you know knows how to play with the ball, um, knows how to find find men, knows how to like to read a game. Um, not that I'm saying that Ojo or whoever has been in there before doesn't know how to do that, but I think we've definitely traded up um, with McGee. and he is very good. But I do think Ferguson should probably will be our number ten. I think he probably was more suited to that, um, and we'll probably see Ojo and McGee there. I mean, it doesn't look like. It doesn't look positive for for Craig Bryson um, going forward. So I think we've found our we've probably found our, our our central midfield partnership there with those two. Well, certainly Bryson is going to have a couple of months on the sidelines. Uh, he's uh, gone for an operation now, uh, and Ojo McGeer and Ferguson have the chance to cement their places, and that will obviously be the hope over the next couple of months. Um, with Lewis Ferguson being out on Saturday, though, it uh, gave probably the manager an opportunity to uh, stick with the two up top that he'd used at Tynecastle. Um, Bruce Anderson started again, rather than Curtis Main, who has played previously uh, with Cosgrove in a two. Do you think that Bruce has really uh, taken advantage of the chance that he's been given in the last two games, Mark? I don't think he has, has he? Really, I don't think he has. And clearly, we want him to do well. We want all the young boys coming up to to perform. But I don't really think he has taken his chance. I, there's certainly no, there won't be a clamour for him to start uh, on Wednesday. Whereas after uh, the goal against Livingston, was it? Everyone wanted him in for Hearts. He didn't really do much in that game either. But personally, I don't think he's he's shown us anything new anyway. Matt, do you think his uh, best role for the foreseeable is going to be his impact sub rather than maybe starting? Um, possibly. I think. Um, I think what a lot what might happen is that obviously like what does happen generally with kind of younger players in any team coming through is okay. The supporters are wanting them to get the chance to get the chance to maybe take it for one and then you know as, as Mark just said in the last two games maybe he's not done what we hoped for so it's then easy to just go back to what you know of right okay maybe Cosgrove up front. Um, Possibly, um, I mean, I still think possibly another loan would do him the world of good. Um, I, I know, speaking to people that I know down at Dunfermline, that they, they were raving about him last season. Maybe you could, you could look at getting him in a Premier League team, a Premiership team, sorry, and um, for the last few months. But we don't really have that depth. We don't have the luxury of, um, of right. Okay, if Cosgrove can't play, then. Who's going to get your goals? So um, it could be it could be an interesting few months for Bruce. I think for me, Martin, that's been the, most, the more frustrating thing over the last eighteen months is not necessarily that he's not starting. 
I think you can't really argue that he should be starting ahead of Sam Cosgrove, given what he's done over the uh, past while. But more that, you know, when we brought on a second striker, Bruce hasn't really had that opportunity too often to come on as sub, um, even though we know he can make an impact. I mean, that's obviously three goals that he scored each time coming off the bench. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you've said, though. The numbers show that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't really, you know, in the last couple of games taken his chance. I mean, they're clearly, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of spoken about him before, we've raved about him. Um, not quite willing to write them off. I do think Mark makes a good point there that, you know, perhaps, you know, alone at a, a, a higher level than he was before, you know, maybe, you know, Dunf- I don't think going back to Dunfermline would really do him any good in terms of development. Perhaps if he can get alone at a, a bigger club, you no, know, perhaps a top end, a top end championship club or another um, Premier League team, that might be the best thing for him in the short term, because um, it does seem that, you know, that you know, there's clearly a talented, clearly a talented young player there, and we want him to do, want him to do well, but he's not going to be at the moment. He's not going to be the guy. Um, obviously, Sam Cosgrove's the guy. Um, I think yesterday was yesterday was tough for him as well. I mean, it was something like was it 28 chances were created. Um, none of them, none of the ones I think, you know, were were guilt edge chances. The one he had a couple of misses, had a couple of bits here and there, but um, I don't think he had a, a poor game yesterday. It just, it just did, it just didn't. Things didn't come off for him. Uh, but I would, I would obviously like to see more of him. But I do think probably the best thing um, for his development would, would be looking to maybe put him out on loan again. Can can I just add something on that? Um, it's quite similar to almost what Cammy Smith was like when he was here. Um, I think. Um, more so than like Lawrence Shankland. I think with Shankland, we, we weren't really needing a striker because Rooney was always banging in the goals. But with Cammy Smith, there's a lot of similarities with the expectation on on him on Bruce. Like I think um, you know coming in at a young age, making an impact. I mean, Cammy Smith. I think it was maybe his third game or something. He came off the bench and scored against Cali when he was 16. So you know, there's there's a, as we say, there's a player there, and you hope that you know it's not too many loans. But it, it just depends because obviously goals when strikers win your games, goals win your games, and if he's not going to deliver it, then you know the club potentially going to look elsewhere. So I hope I hope it works out for him more than it did for Cammy Smith at Aberdeen. But I just thought it was maybe like a, something similar. That... We've spoken earlier on about uh, about the fact that. Ferguson was unavailable and therefore we didn't really have anyone bridging that gap and for me Odio and McGeer kind of wanted to occupy the same part of the pitch far too often in the afternoon I mean it was always going to be you know two of them up against three Dumbarton players in the middle there so they they were going to have to kind of be fairly um, sensible as far as their positioning went but you know I felt Certainly, the longer the game went on, the more Ojo and McGeer. And certainly, in McGeer's case, it might be uh, just a lack of fitness meant he didn't feel he could get up and down the pitch quite as well. But um, you did, as the game went on, sense a greater and greater gap between those two and the strikers. Um, as Martin says, 28, 27, whatever it was, shots, efforts at goal. Only a couple really worked their keeper. Um, and a lot of the efforts were from set pieces, Mark. Still lacking the, the fluency, really. One or two nice moments, though. Um, let's focus on some of them. I mean, the move to let McGeoch through and and uh, the little nice bit of interplay that uh, Considine McGinn and Ojo created over on the left-hand side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we seem to we seem to kind of snatch it. A lot of the chances there wasn't a lot of composure in front of uh, in front of goal. Keeper didn't really have to do much either, did he? But um, yeah, 
watching it back, I watched a little bit of the highlights earlier on, and there was just lots of, um, yeah, as I say, snatching chances, I suppose. Hedges had one, Anderson was guilty a couple of times, McGinn. Um, yeah, to not score from open play against Dumbarton, who, you know, not to be disrespectful, they were very well organised, they were exactly what you would expect from a team a couple of divisions below. I think they probably won quite a few fans up here, to be honest. But we were we, we lacked any kind of um, composure, I think. If that drive wasn't coming from the uh, midfield to, to try and push forward and try and win the game in the second half, I did like what Scott McKenna was trying to do from centre-half. He obviously realised that he could push up because he wasn't exactly being overworked at the back and add an extra man. So you, you had him often popping up on the wing, on the left wing mainly, trying to create an overload, driving forward with the ball, exploiting the space. It's stuff I really want to see more of when we're faced with sides that sit in, Martin. It is, yeah. I mean, I no, you quite rightly called me out yesterday on Twitter because um, I was a little bit critical of McKenna. Um, perhaps the the, few, the pre-match pints had taken its toll on me. Um, <laughs> but no, McKenna was, um, you know, he was trying to do more. I mean, they, they didn't, no, they didn't really have a busy afternoon, did they? I mean, um, him and Taylor, you know, there was some, you know, I had to clear a few things with headers. You know, Taylor as Taylor as usual, as you suspect, distribution, you know, was you know was was hot and cold. Uh, but McKenna was trying was trying to do something a bit different, get involved with the cre- with creating of the play, uh, which was which was good to see because, you know, Dumbarton, you felt that I think Dumbarton were came here. To, you know, they're obviously going to come here and try and counter. Um, they're not going to come and try and cut you open because they're they're going to they're going to come unstuck if they tried to go, you know, kind of some sort of silly all out attack thing. So McKenna was he did decent at times. So he's just trying to create stuff, doing something that you know you probably won't really see from him a hell of a lot in games. Um, and I thought you know it, it's passing wise he was quite tidy, um, getting into positions where we're not used to, we're not really used to seeing him in. Um, and hope hopefully. That is something that, as you say, there we can see see going forward because we will have t- times at Pataudry where you're going to have teams, particularly the ones at the bottom three or four in the league, um, are just going to come here and look for a point. Um, and because I think some of the some of the deliveries, perhaps some of the creative stuff coming from the wingers, hasn't been of the kind of top level that we expect. No, you're looking at other guys, and if no, if McKenna can add something like that to the game as well, then no, brilliant. Yeah, the crossing during the match was pretty suspect. Set pieces were good from McGinn, but otherwise during open play. One really, really good ball in from McLennan, which um, McGinn pushed wide right at the start of the second half. But other than that, um, I mean, overall, the, the replay was looking pretty inevitable. The real shades of Stenhouse-Muir last year, Mark. Um, you know, over the over the season, we've had a couple of comfortable 3-0s in the league, comfortable afternoons, but we haven't really handed out a proper thrashing since probably... I don't know, December 2018, 5-1 over Dundee. I know that, you know, whinging that we haven't hammered teams does feel a bit, you know, my diamond slippers are too tight. And of course, it would be pretty disrespectful to a Dumbarton team that were well set up, were dogged, determined, all the other cliches you want to use. But yesterday, the team, and the strikers in particular, that should have been an opportunity just to go to town. It should have been. Yeah, it definitely should have been. Going back to your last point there as well, like you're, t- you're talking about overloading the midfield, getting McKenna up there, and then in your next kind of segment, you talk about the poor delivery from crosses. Like th- there was a lot of crosses coming in from essentially two centre backs. 
you know that you've got McKenna, you've got Considine throwing the ball in, and you know as much as I love both of them, they're not a delivery expert like like McGinn perhaps or or McLennan could be, you know. But yeah, we definitely should have been testing the keeper a bit more. If we'd scored early, it may have been one of these thrashings that we haven't handed out, but we didn't. You know, it was eighty six minutes and it was a penalty, so we're maybe feeling a little bit. Tense as the game goes on as well. They, they, they didn't really offer much. They broke a couple of times. They didn't really threaten Joe Lewis. But as the time goes on, like this is this could be a cup upset. This could be a cup upset. A, a little element of that, I suppose, Matt. But I guess a little bit, as I say, like Stennis Muir last year. I never really felt we were in much danger because, well, I, I didn't feel there was really the the desire from the visitors to really create anything, to be perfectly honest, when the game was level. Yeah, no, I'd agree, I'd agree with that. I think um, it scored quite early on um, in the game at Stenow, uh, the home game at Stenhouse Muir last year, so that obviously then meant that Stenhouse had to kind of come out and I mean, they also took their one chance that they got. Um, as you say, I mean, I, there wasn't really much a threat. I think every time, though, that um, you know, that they, they, they went up, they got fairly close. They got a corner. I think it was ninety second minute or something. So you're always wary of those situations. But I thought generally we, we sought out well. Um, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying about McKenna and that. I don't think they're really too troubled. So maybe kind of allowing them to kind of go forward, try new things, but. Equally, you know, I mean, you've seen it this weekend with even some of the the bigger, you know, teams like I mean, obviously got Rangers and Celtic. I mean, obviously not struggling against lesser opposition, but more, you know, like it, it, it's not always going to be a, a game where the the goals do fly in. You know, they're, you're not always going to beat teams five six nil, but um, we have seen worse Aberdeen teams go and put five past like East East Fife in that over the years. So it would have been nice to get some more goals, but um, I think we'll we'll settle just for getting through really will we? Okay, well, the most uh, sort of noise beforehand and after the game wasn't really about the match itself, but it was about the um, experiment in the Markland end, uh, which was uh, to try and turn it into a, a typical away end, basically, um, with unreserved seating, um, with the fact that the there would be allegedly relaxed stewarding to allow you to stand for the 90 minutes without someone to tell you to suck uh, to, <laughs> glad you got that in, to, to sit down um, you know banners about, banners about the place and, and flags and, and so on so um, Martin um, Mark's already admitted that he was uh, a corporate whore yesterday I was um, kind of in my usual section a few sections over right enough uh, actually perfectly sober and amongst the drunken corporate mob and that's not an experience I want to repeat I'll tell you uh, but you and your loon were in the Markland yesterday how, how was it? Uh, we were yeah um, we weren't um, we weren't right in the middle of um, where all the kind of the, the main noise and that was coming from we were more at the edge uh, but it was great um, you know Fully admit that you know um, maybe I maybe uh, made a mistake by I went and did the park run in the morning, so by half time I was ready for my seat. To be totally honest, <laughs> uh, but we did, but we did stand for the whole game. I quite enjoyed it. I, I know I do prefer, if I'm being honest, I prefer standing at football. Um, it's been a novel. It was a novelty for my boy. Uh, other than you know, times at Hamden, um, he's never really been at games where we get to stand. Um, how do we say stand without any hassle? Shall we say? Um, so yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. You no, know, lots of noise, uh, lots of colour, flags, and all that work was great. Um, hopefully, it is something that can be continued and we can see again. 
because uh, I do think that it was no. It, I mean, everybody seems to know, apart from the obvious incident. No, there's been no com- there's been no complaints, um, and I do think it's something that hopefully, you know, going forward, um, the board and or the powers that be will look at, and hopefully we can have this more often. Yeah, the incident that you mentioned was uh, was a banner that was displayed at half time, which wasn't a particularly controversial banner. It was about uh, ending the alcohol ban at football matches. I mean, that's not going to rile up anyone, is it? Um, but anyway, uh, that was uh, the stewards went in to try and take that down almost immediately. And I don't know, I, I don't know if you can necessarily blame the stewards for doing what they're essentially trained to do. Um, and I thought the kind of Chanting afterwards at the guy who's probably just on minimum wage was uh, was a was just as distasteful as them trying to as them trying to take the banner down. To be honest, a little bit bullying, but um, but yeah, I mean, noise wise, it was a it was a noisy at the start, Martin. I, I felt it lulled a little bit. Obviously, the game it's, itself wasn't giving giving folk much to get excited by. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, I think it did. I mean, it's no. It's a it's a first time experience. Um, a lot for a lot of people, you know, um, you know, lots of people have probably, you know, if you think of the, the generations of you know fans that have been at Petodri and probably, you know, unless you're in section Y, or at the top of the at the top of the RDS or at the fence, then you probably you've probably never been standing at Petodri. So I think it's a new experience for people. Um, a lot of people have never been to been to sort of say we'll see these big games where you know you get this big atmosphere as well they've just kind of seen it on tv where you know you see it you know big these big european games like dortmund and bayern and all this where they have these wild big wild sections with the flags and the noise um, and that's something that if we can try and have an aberdeen version of that then i think it'll, it will work in future but yeah it did lull in the middle i think it was always going to do that do that as well um it, it, it picked up here and there um i don't think you're going to get 90 minutes of noise um, anywhere other than you know, especially especially the way the game was going. Um, had we gone two or three nil, two, three, two, two or three nil up, I think you know, party atmosphere would have been in full effect. Um, but we'll hopefully, yeah, there's plenty of time, plenty of time. We'll hopefully see it again. And think you'd change for any? Uh, well, obviously we've got another home tie in the next round of the cup. It's just been drawn. We've got Kilmarnock at home in the next round. Um, if if we go ahead with that experiment again, and I can't see any reason not to, would you change anything fundamental? I wouldn't really. No, I think it. I think it worked. I think it worked really well. Yeah. I mean, if we can continue it, hopefully. You no. Know, I know. Obviously, the. You no, know, it was. It was a sellout. Um. I think you know, the side I was on as well, where there was one. The whole section of the side was covered in banners. So if they can't sell more tickets, then, um, you would like to think that um, it will be even more in demand because there will be people who have seen that and seen it was you know seen it was a good laugh and a lot of fun. Um. And hopefully, um, it will be it will be a really in demand place to be. Yeah, that that should be that should help. I think obviously there was a, a it took a while maybe for ticket sales to really pick up. Um, I mean, it contributed to a bigger than expected crowd. I think it's fair to say as well. Um, crowds that this round have been in the sort of eight nine thousand category. This one just nudged over ten thousand. And the rest of the ground mark. Um, I mean, you, you heard it. Did it have an impact though? Did it did it create a better atmosphere in the rest of the ground? I think it did. Yeah, I think I think that enthusiasm uh, is infectious. I think if you hear you hear songs going off, it, it it you want to contribute as well. And even 
with me hooting it with the prawn sandwich brigade the, there was people next to me that started singing I was singing um, it wasn't en masse you know I should say that but I don't think I was around the people that would have been doing that in my normal seats I would imagine that they were getting involved as well but yeah I think they were loud I don't think we have we don't have a massive repertoire 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 whatever we don't we don't have a lot of songs you know so <laughs> to have it going for 90 minutes is always going to be ambitious but um, do it more get a group of people group of people together get a hardcore together and, and new songs will come and I think that atmosphere will build and I'd imagine there'll be an idea for uh, Red Shed I'm not a big fan of the name but Red Shed 2 I'd imagine will already be uh, getting uh, organised and what about moving it forward and um, doing it on a, a season by season basis uh, Martin do you, do you think the Markland's the best area for that or again you got, we've got to be cognisant that the stadium has to have an area for loads of different types of groups. Um, I personally don't think that going forward that's the, that'll be the right place for it because I think that we'll have to be conscious that, that this was only Dumbarton. Um, for example, you know, if if this was to, if we drew, let's say we drew, um, we were in the next round we drew Rangers and we we're at home. Um, there are people who are not going to be wanting to move from that move from the fence. Because the fence is the is, you know in the bigger games and you know the the kind of higher pressure games whatever you want to call them the fence is the place to be. Um, I personally think that you know the best place for something like that would be the two sections is it S and T. Um, I think next to the fence would be the best place for something like that. Um, it, you know, but um, I understand that perhaps that would be that would mean um, you know perhaps enough people being moved away further from the fence and kind of less. No, less capacity of these two sections. So I understand that there might be issues. Um, but I mean, personally, I, I I think the fence would be the be- would be the best place for it. Um, but and I and I know there's obviously Cormac is kind of kind of hinted here and there that he was gonna that for maybe next season they would look at that and making it kind of making that area um, an unofficial standing section. But you know, we'll see. I mean, if if that's that's something that's generally workable, but. Um, I think it mean it could be replicated. I mean, you could you could have it on the top, on the top deck of the Dick Donald if you really wanted to have it there. I mean, as long as you've got the as long as it's got the right people right people behind it, and the clubber clubber kind of nurturing this atmosphere where they want people to make noise, they want the atmosphere to be good. You know, if you give people if you give people the opportunity to come along, make noise, stand with their mates, unallocated seat, and then people will come along. Okay, so that was uh, the cup game against Dumbarton. As I say, next round, Kilmarnock. Uh, well, I've seen they spent about ten percent of my life talking about encounters with Kilmarnock lads, but um, <laughs> we know what they're about. They're going to be solid. They're going to be set up to try and nick a goal on the counter attack or off a set piece, aren't they? And it's it's a game. We, it, it's a home tie. It's a game we should be winning. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. We'll talk more about that much <laughs> closer to the time. <laughs> Transfer window activity. So far, we're talking about Dylan McGeoch, and that's probably the ninth different way in which I pronounce McGeoch in the course of this podcast. Matty Kennedy has signed up on a pre-contract agreement, uh, joining from St Johnston. He will definitely be here in the summer. Would it be worth the cost to bring him here now in January? Uh, and do you think that you know it's going to be a reasonable price? So I, I suppose it depends on what the cost would be. I. I'm not a big fan of these pre-contract deals. Like you know, he's he, we know he's coming. He's already 
well, he, he indicates that he wants to come here by signing the pre-contract. Um, does St Johnston really want somebody who knows that they're they're wanting to go somewhere else? It, it, I, I really don't know what what would be the cost for that. It, it would have to be financial. I've seen I've seen some uh, tweets about oh well we could give them such and such on loan. We could get. I don't think that really cuts it. I think pay out his contract whatever that is. I don't imagine it would be too much. I do like the look of him though, and I think he could have a positive influence if he arrived. Um, before summer. Well, the kind of suggestion in the press right now is they're after cash plus a player on loan. Uh, in fact, that player being Michael Devlin. Devlin's obviously been at the Don's team uh, recently. Ash Taylor's kept him out, but can we really spare him, Matt? Um, no, we can't because we, uh, as you see, we don't have a lot of defenders. Um, in my opinion, um, <laughs> I, I, I actually quite like Michael Devlin. Right, I, I think he's obviously not lived up to the to billing that a lot of. Um, of as expected. I mean, more reasons than not. I think obviously injuries played his played its part. But um, I do. I think there's a player there. I just think that I don't know if it's the, even the partnership with with a McKenna or a Considine or Taylor. I mean, I'm not Ash Taylor's biggest fan, but I still think Michael Devlin is better than him. But um, at the same time, we cannot afford to get rid of any defenders. Bear in mind that. There will probably be bids coming in for Scott McKenna this month, and then if not, then certainly the summer. So um, any, I mean, obviously, I know you're saying about potential for swap deals and that for Matty Kennedy, but I don't think I don't think anything like that will get done. I think it'll just be if we're going to go and want to get Matty Kennedy, they'll get him. You know, they'll, they'll pay money for him. But um, no, so I wouldn't. I don't think Michael Devlin will leave this summer. Hey, summer. Hey, January. Sorry. <laughs> The other bit of business that's uh, kind of known about is going to be Mark Gallagher from Ross County, who's going to kind of 18 year old, going to join for the development squad. Uh, we can't really add very much on that, other than the fact that when we started talking about him the other day, his mum followed us on Twitter. So that to us was confirmation that it was going to be a done deal. So hello, Mrs. Gallagher. Um, now, according to the manager, one or two more, maybe, which is quite a surprising level of January business, I would have said. Um, where do you think that's going to be, Martin? Um, I think that you, know, you look at the, you look at where the injuries have been. Um, you know, we've obviously you know, Greg Lee's Greg Lee's injured. Um, Viner is done as well. Um, it's obviously dis- was it dislocated his shoulder. So I think he'll be probably looking at some fo- looking at some fullback cover. Um, I know that I obviously know that John Gallagher can can kind of slot in at right back. Um, and we do have you know we do have a, a lot of couple options there. But I think he probably would be looking at that. I mean. You know, I don't want to don't want to bang on about Shea Logan again this week, but you know, I mean, you know, the only kind of the only kind of real you no know, dangerous attacking moment Dumbarton had was when their winger um, just I don't know what he did, but he put Logan on his arse. Um, it just seems to be the decline in Shea Logan um, is is there for us all to see. Um, so I do think we need to look into you know, not necessarily a fullback cover, perhaps you know, perhaps a right back. Uh, might be might be an option there. We're not sure. Uh, but I definitely think that's the kind of at the moment that's the most pressing thing. I mean, we're not looking. For, I don't think we're really. We don't really think we're in the market for strikers. You know, we're bringing in Matty Kennedy. So there's you no know, there's another winger uh, midfield. You know, that's you know we've got, we're we're kind of shored up there. Um, so um, if Devlin stays, I don't think there's any any movement at centre half as well. So I do think fullback is the is the place that needs to be looked at the most. Yeah, there, there's been some mm, forum talk about O'Donnell, so the manager knocked that one back, and I, I, I don't see that as a fit. Um, 
I would be definitely looking at Jason Naismith, who's on loan at Hebs, and we know that we yeah. tried to get him uh, from Ross County when he went to Peterborough last summer, was it, or maybe the summer before? Um, yeah, I think he kind of fits the profile really well. Uh, over on the left-hand side, well, here's just a straight-out question for you, Mark. Obviously, there's the option to sign Greg Lee that's uh, available to us. You could enact that now. But look at the out-of-contract lists. There's a guy at Parkhead who's played left-back, who's Pretty good at left back. <laughs> Would you try and get Johnny Hayes back? I fucking love Johnny Hayes. I like, I, I still, yeah, I would take him back in a second. Like, I don't know, was it like eighteen months ago or something? People talking about him potentially coming back, and he's past it, and all this sort of stuff. And I don't, I don't buy that at all. Um, and that would give us cover left back and left wing. Centre mid, I think, and right I think, back and right wing. <laughs> well, everywhere, everywhere he can play everywhere. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a wonderful man. But uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we need to if we got Matty Kendi in when we're talking about like if we're going to get cover or if we're going to get somebody else in over the January window. I was thinking we need we need wingers. We need uh, we need fast attacking wingers and. Uh, if we aren't getting Matty Kendi in early, then I would I would be looking for that. Yeah, you'd imagine maybe it's going to be, if it's not Kennedy, it might be someone young and unloaned from down south um, rather than someone established. But uh, but who knows what's going to unfold over the next 12 days. Uh, Motherwell on Wednesday, quite a big game. Um, the last game of the, the sort of second round of fixtures. Everyone, I think it was one outstanding game, but other than that, everyone will have played 22 times. Everyone will have played everyone else home and away. So one point in our little fucked up league system, which is a, a genuine true league table. Now, of course, we can leap them to go third with a leapfrog them to go third with a win. And we did beat them 3-0 earlier this season. But it's Motherwell, and we usually chuck in one absolute horror show against them per season. Uh, Matt, how do you see it going on Wednesday? Um, I don't think it's be a great game. Um, Motherwell, in fairness to them, they're 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 you know they're up there for a reason. Um, they're it's going to be. I, I think it'll be like a, a slug. Was it last season? Right, that there was a, a Motherwell just came and just won two 0 or was it the season before? I can't actually remember. Um, I I think it was last season uh, towards the the end, and you just thought, as you say, you know, that we normally kind of just give them one out of nowhere, but um, I think we'll win. But um, again, it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, again, but it is a big game because I think uh, it could be it could be a case of laying down a marker um, and kind of you know sending Stephen Robinson and his team back down the road uh, with nothing, which would which would be good. Um, but we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Martin, we beat them last time out with a midfield consisting of a couple of defenders uh, hauled in from from other places and curly Watts off of Coronation Street. So surely we'll beat them on Wednesday. Um, well, that's the <laughs> well, that's that's certainly the hope. Um, I mean, you know, they've they had a de- had a decent performance um, away at Dundee, but I know, that, but on was it Friday? But um, you know, Dundee are um, you know Dundee are like you no, know, I've seen them a few times this season because you know they've been on you know, the Dundee derbies and that have been on TV, and Dundee seem to be you know the, a complete Jekyll and Hyde team where they can turn up one week and. It'll be absolutely hopeless. The other, so I don't think no. It was a decent performance from them um, on on in the cup game against Dundee. But um, you know, I think that 
you know, we 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 didn't look very convincing in our game, which is no kid. I get, think makes you think that it's going to be harder, um, harder than it probably will be. Um, I do think that I do think we'll we'll win. I think we've got enough to enough, enough to take to take care of Motherwell. I do think we've got better we've got better players than them. Um, it's just a case of you know, as you say, the worry is that we just. We just you know have an absolute brain have brain failure, which we we know we manage more regularly than not. Um, it would be good to see. You no, know, this is the time. That this is a game that really matters. You know, fourth against third. Um, you know, we overtake them, and then you know you think that the team will kick on from there because you no, know, at the very least, third is where we we should be. Um, so I think that you no, know, just to kind of you know get rid of the mental block that we seem to have against Motherwell, and we should be okay. So that's Motherwell Wednesday then, uh, in their infinite wisdom, um, a.k.a. they need to fill some games to get up to their quota. Uh, the television companies are uh, showing St Mirren versus Aberdeen at the punter-friendly time of 12.30am or 3.30 in the morning um, on Sunday. Um, now, we've already lost in Paisley this season, a game that saw Curtis Main asked to lead the line, and uh, surprise, surprise, us look exceptionally blunt. Now, our struggles against Celtic and Rangers this season are well documented, uh, Mark, but the points dropped against sides in the bottom couple of places have been just as damaging. If not more so. You know, I think we spoke about this on on Twitter, um, the amount of points that we have lost against teams in the bottom two, bottom three. And I don't recall what it was, but there's there's at least four or five games where we've lost or drawn against the teams at or near the bottom. And I think... We want to beat Rangers, we want to beat Celtic And, you know, clearly it's enjoyable when you do But we should be beating St Johnstons We should be beating St Mirrens We should be beating, who else? There was Hibs when they were down there as well So, you know, it's it, it's probably more frustrating Than dropping those points against the Glasgow teams The um, the thing I was going to say before I actually looked into it, Matt Was that St Mirren don't concede a lot of goals at home But it turns out they have conceded quite a few goals at home <laughs> In recent matches They had a decent start to the season um, I think they'd only lost goals in, in one game um, And that was against the Hun But lately they've been chucking them in from all angles So um, listen, we all know this is a game we really, we really need to be winning If we're going to achieve what we want to achieve this season uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, it is a it is a ground that we've kind of not that we've struggled at in in over the years, but I've never really kind of got a consistent run there, British year. But it's kind of it's one of those like if you're comparing the team where like a couple of seasons ago, where, where the important thing was even if you weren't taking points off a of Celtic, you were taking points off the the, the bottom half of the table, and we've Aberdeen have always been good at that, um, certainly under Derek McInnes. So in the last last season, really, it's not been great. So you would expect us to go down there and. And do well. I mean, you know, at the start of the season, you could maybe fault a little bit of well, the European run was kind of up in the air at the time, but that was a bad week for for the for the team. At the, I think it was Reika and then Saint Mirren and then Reika. So really, you're you're looking at it, it is it is winnable. It is must win. Sorry, you you really need to go into that going into Ibrox. Yeah, the Ibrox game is at the start of February. Um, and, and Martin, really, the the importance of momentum, and this is something we've spoken about before. This season because we've struggled to put consecutive wins on the board and it's been a real frustration because that has again been part of the DNA of the side over the past few seasons. It has, yeah. I mean, no, we could, like when Matt was in there, we could, you, know, you could count on the team, you no, know, a couple of years ago, just to be like we would just, we just would have good results. We would beat everybody else, um, and you could rely on the other teams to trip up. You know, to basically take something off a Celtic, maybe, or you know, but that's that's not happening now. Um, and 
that's something that I do think we, you know, we do need. We need to get that momentum. The last thing, you know, the last thing you want is to struggle in these two games, and, and then you end up you know, with this this absolute nightmare, pain in the arse thing of when we're heading towards the game at Ibro- a game at, coming up at Ibrox in February, where, the, where this will we'll make it up to you, we'll bring out a big performance against Rangers and all this kind of stuff. It's like let's just take let's take care of these two, uh, put, you know, put Motherwell in their place. Go down to St Mirren and just a strong performance. You know, kind of no, no. Let's uh, exercise that atrocious performance from earlier in the season down there, and we'll be fine. Okay, those words are definitely not going to come back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is our show this week. Our thanks to Mark Elvick. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to Matt Finley. Matt, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, lads. Appreciate it. And uh, finally to Martin Clunas. Thank you very much, Richard. I'm just going to pop my fez back in the cupboard. <laughs> okay, that's us for the week. Do not Google felching. <laughs> Until next week, come on you Reds.